Welcome to the Boy Meets World podcast. Today's guest is Pac-12 Network host Mike Yam. You pretty much count on seeing Mike anytime you turn on the Pac-12 Network and see a studio show. Uh, he's also the host of one of my favorite podcasts this time of year, the Inside the Pac-12 Basketball Podcast alongside Don McLean. I talk with Mike about getting hit prank called on NBA TV, uh, leaving SportsCenter to launch the Pac-12 Network, the Chris Peterson news, and his assurance that this season is not lost for Husky basketball. If you like what you hear today, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Thanks to Mike Yam once again for joining the show, and thank you for listening. Too complex. All right, I'm here with uh, with Mike Yam, host of the Inside Pac-12 Men's Basketball Podcast, studio host of the Pac-12 Networks, uh, really just the voice of the network, if we're being honest. Uh, Mike Yam joins the show. Mike, thank you so, so much for coming on. No, I appreciate the invite. Anytime I get to talk a little basketball or about the conference, I'm always uh, always game. And, and this year, it's actually kind of cool because we have, we have a pretty good league this season by virtue of some of those wins in the non-con. So a lot of these games are, are pretty meaningful in conference play. Yeah, it's off to a hot start, if not an interesting start. Uh, so you're, you're playing through a little bit of pain today. Uh, we heard you on the podcast this week. Uh, the, vo- <laughs> the voice is what, uh, 70%, 80%? How are we doing? I would... You, I, I'd say we're, we're creeping closer. I, I think I'm in the 75% range. I, I felt bad. I was going to message you back when you invited me on and said, I hope I uh, hope the voice is going to be okay. Last week, I, I, I think there's like this cold going around on the West Coast. And uh, sure enough, I caught it and started losing my voice a little bit on Saturdays, which is an occupational hazard because Lord knows I already got a face for radio. I think <laughs> make my voice sound the way that it does. And, uh, I, I'm sure hopefully people just stuck with us. But yeah, we, we fought through it a little bit on this week's uh, version of the podcast, and that just meant more talking for Don McLean, and he will never say no to that, so probably a win for everyone. Yeah, I was going to say, luckily you have uh, a co-host that's totally fine playing iso ball a little bit to uh, to take over. <laughs> yeah, for sure, uh, for sure. So what's what's the insider secret there for, for a sore throat? Hot tea, Ricolo, how, how do you handle that? You know what the weird thing is? Like I, I told myself I'm not going to get sick, and sure enough it happened because i've never been um like a vitamin guy or you know the hand sanitizer thing which makes me sound dirty i swear to god just regular hand soap is fine um but during football season the last two years we've been traveling more for pac-12 network doing our road show for the pregame and lewis johnson who probably familiar with he's one of our sideline reporters but does an awesome job he is doing the nba for a bunch of years and certainly really well known for all the stuff that he's done with track and we were having dinner one night in salt lake city and i said hey man what's the secret to not getting sick on the road when you're on all these planes and he said man i wipe everything down i keep the vitamins so sure enough i've been doing it i haven't really gotten sick and then i i, I caught this but chloroseptic spray the tea with the honey um i've had like you know, just the Sudafed going every four hours. So I'm locked and loaded, man, and, and certainly got a little bit of medicine head. But uh, uh, I always say I could feel bad, but as long as I don't sound or look bad, it's all good. Cause you just suck it up and no one knows. But <laughs> you, know, you can't hide the hide the voice sounding the way it does. So as in everything else, it comes down to preparation there for uh, for, for sure. <laughs> anyone who broadcasts. Um, so speaking of, of broadcasting in your career, you had to cut your teeth a, a little bit at various stops on the way, including a stint. Uh, as a host in the very early days of NBA TV, do you, any memories come up when I remind you about a hypothetical fantasy basketball trade of Kevin Garnett <laughs> for Baron Davis? You started laughing before I even finished the question. 
man. I, first of all, I appreciate you even knowing the fact that I used to work at NBA TV because it feels like such a long time ago. And I had such, I have such great memories of my time there and, and certainly covering the league, which was awesome. It was a dream come true. And I, I never thought I, I'd even get to that point. When I was in college, that was like a goal for me to work at NBA TV because I was such a big uh, basketball fan. Uh, but no doubt, I had gotten I, I, my first gig with NBA TV was doing their fantasy show, and right. the, one of the perks of the job was taking live calls. And I got pranked a couple times, but the Kevin Garnett, Baron Davis deal certainly the one that that comes to mind, man. That I I haven't been thought about that or been asked about that in such a long time. <laughs> but as soon as you said like a memorable moment, I wasn't even going to go there because it's you know it's a prank call. But certainly, uh, it's the first thing that I thought of. Well, it is immortalized on YouTube, and, and uh, I'll insert the audio here for, for the listeners. 866-NBA-7674, the number Joe is in New York and is next on NBA TV. Joe, what do you have, man? Hey, how you doing, Charlie? Uh, I'm, it's Mike, but it's, it's, I'm doing well, buddy. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, uh, I, know, I know you're going to hate me for this one. Uh, yeah. I picked up uh, Kevin Garnett with my first pick, but okay. I'm, uh, I'm thinking about dealing away in the trade for uh, Baron Davis. Uh, I know, I know it sounds crazy, but hear me out. I was, I was watching the Warrior game last night, and I noticed when Barron went in for a layup, I saw his testicles showing. All right, back. Joe, appreciate the, uh, the phone call there. Uh, the KG Barron Davis deal, probably not going to pull the trigger on that one. Let's go to uh, Dr. A. But uh, the smoothness with which you handled that prank call, I think, is one of the things that stands out with everything we see you on or hear you on is just that, that ease of delivery, very, very controlled uh, in how you host your programs. How did you develop that, that calm, cool, collected demeanor? Well, man, I, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, uh, you know, trying not to laugh during that prank call, I think, was, was maybe the, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the hardest thing about that. Because in all sincerity. I mean, I grew up, I'm not sure how old you are. I'm 38. So like, do you, do you, I don't, can I ask how old you are? Is that okay? Yeah. 26. So, so off by. All right. So like, there. oh yeah. So you, you probably like, do you even know if, you, if I said the jerky boys, would you know what that is? Boy, I could do a quick Google, but, uh, okay. <laughs> so, so the point is, so like it speaks volumes, right? Like the jerky boys back in the day were the, like they would record their prank phone calls. So like growing up when I was in elementary school and early days of high school, like they were, they were pretty famous and pretty popular because they would take these prank calls and put them on CDs and you could go to the store and buy, you know, music and CDs. And obviously no one does that anymore. Most of those places are out of business, but you know, I immediately started laughing because I do think it was pretty funny. Um, But as far as the delivery, you know, I I don't know. I'm I'm pretty, I'm, I'm an even keel guy, I think just to begin with. And, you know, to me, I've, never felt the need to to be controversial or be really loud or super opinionated just to have an opinion. You know, I've always thought that I've always had so much respect for these athletes that play and now working on the college side and covering student athletes in the Pac-12 conference, like the amount of respect that I have for these kids that are grinding it out in the classroom, really successful on the football field and being able to manage both, um, you know, in all sincerity, just the respect that I have for them. Like, I, I just think there's so much, gr- so many great stories and so many great things to tell just around the games that you just never really needed to be too crazy on air. And certainly my time at NBA TV was the same way, just because I was such a huge fan of the sport. Um, and then just working in radio at Sirius XM and, and actually now joining them again, working on the Pac-12 channel that they have. It just, it gave me great opportunities. ESPN, you know, I was there when, 
know, embrace the debate started to mm-hmm. become popular. And then I, I ended up leaving to go to Pac-12 Network. But on the tail end of my four years there, the embrace debate thing started to, to catch on. And, and oh, look, those guys are super talented. And Skip Bayless, who was there at the time, um, really well-informed and, and really one of the nicest guys, I think, in the business, which is probably not what his reputation is because of some of his opinions, but he really was a class act. And I respect what those guys were able to do to get ready for their shows. But um, to me, it just was, man, enjoy the games, talk about the games and talk about them like you would with your friends. So that's always something that I've tried to bring to our shows. Yeah. That's a comforting uh, stance on everything in the, in the world where, you know, hot take is, is kind of a, seems like a, uh, almost a, a resume item for anyone trying to enter sports media is, is that they can come up with takes, but you know, good reminder that um, just, just spitting the facts and being right there, neutral, telling those stories uh, still has some value too. Yeah, for sure. And you know, the other thing is like my roles have not been to have like the crazy opinion unless I was a solo host, maybe on a radio show, right? Like I get to work with some great analysts who have the experience as a coach or a player and understand sort of the X's and O's and, and the experience that these guys have. So I'm just going to lean on them and let them tell the stories, which is yeah, kind of one of the cool things and perks of, of my gig. Another advantage to being Don McLean's to- co-host there, but uh, uh, you grew yeah, so sure. you, you grew up in in Jersey. You go to Fordham, NBA TV, Sirius Radio. I'm zooming through your your uh, history here, but then you host Sports Center in Bristol. You're you're East Coast through and through. So how does a job at at Pac-12 Network, where uh, you're covering Oregon State and Cal now instead of Kobe <laughs> and Peyton Manning, cross your radar? And what attracted you to that position? You know what's wild about it? My time at ESPN, I mean, I, I spent four years there, and I don't think there was a better place for me to understand and learn how to do this job than that spot. I mean, you are put in situations that, you know, God willing, I'll be, you know, in situations as crazy as, as some of the ones that I, I was in because of the sheer volume. You're, you're on air three hours a day, five, six days a week, and you can't, you know, I, I hope I'm, I would like to think that I'm better. Uh, I was better at the end than I was when I first started. But, um, you know, to be quite honest with you, I had been to the West Coast, been to San Francisco twice prior to taking this job. Once as a kid, um, it was a family trip that I went on with my parents and, and uh, my grandparents. At the time, we started in Vegas and then kind of worked our way to San Francisco, down to Los Angeles. And I remember the trip and I had a really good time. And my grandfather, I remember always making a big thing about San Francisco. And then uh, when I was working at Sirius Radio, uh, an old college roommate of mine, we came out. I was doing the American Century uh, Classic um, in Tahoe. And he came out um, for a couple of days and we came down to San Francisco. I had a blast. It was a great goal bridge do all the, the sightseeing things and then sure enough you know my last year at espn i was looking for a challenge looking for a different role um there's a lot of really talented people at espn and the culture that's there you know, it's a really competitive uh environment for a lot of reasons um but i i felt like i wanted another challenge and i wanted more pressure um to be kind of like you know the, quite honestly I, I wanted to be the dude somewhere and i think mm-hmm. i don't say that you know, I try not to say that with an ego or anything along those lines. I just, I didn't want to be a cog in the wheel. And I felt like 
I was in some respect at ESPN and I, I just wanted more and I didn't know if it was going to happen for me there or if it did, it might take, you know, five to 10 years. And I looked at an opportunity at Pac-12 Network as a way to fast track that process and to feel pressure every single day where the eyes were on you and you couldn't make a mistake. And, and it's not to say I didn't feel um, pressure when I was at ESPN, like you, you really couldn't make mistakes and there was a ton of eyeballs. Um, and certainly the distribution at ESPN is, is different than what we have at Pac-12. But, um, you know, it's, it's just different when there isn't 45, 50 other anchors that are in the mix and in the fold willing sure. to do those shows. And I just, I wanted that. I wanted that opportunity. Um, and I was really fortunate. I had, uh, I came out for the audition at the time. And oddly enough, I thought I was going to be auditioning kind of a crazy story with other people from ESPN. Cause at that time there was a little bit of an exodus at, at ESPN. There was a, a bunch of big names that had decided to leave. You know, FS1 was launching sort of around that time. There was Comcast down in Houston, which no longer exists. But the point was some people were leaving um, ESPN at that time. And I actually was convinced there were some rumors that some of the anchors there were going to be auditioning at, at Pac-12 Network. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know who they were. My boss at the time, before I came out for the audition, she had called me and said, hey, you know, there's going to be two other people at the audition that you're, you know, it's basically three. And we whittled it down to the three of you guys. And I was convinced it was going to be at least one other person from ESPN that had ties to the conference because there was a little bit, you know, like at ESPN, it, really every single spot that I've ever been, it it is a little bit like high school gossip. Like everyone kind of talks <laughs> and the rumors are kind of going through. Um, you know, you think about the insiders that work, you know, like the, you know, for all the pro, pro sports, kind of the same thing just for media. And uh, I was convinced it was going to be at least one person from ESPN. Sure enough, I get to the audition and it wasn't. Um, and my Lord, like I still think back to that day and it, and just kind of how it changed my life auditioned and I uh, was fortunate enough to get the job, moved out to the West coast and very quickly understood that there really is an East coast bias. Um, <laughs> didn't acknowledge it when I was growing up in New Jersey and working in, in midtown Manhattan and certainly not at ESPN, but you're right. There, there was a stiff learning curve for me because when I was at ESPN, we could cover you know, Oregon, when Chip was there, Andrew Luck was at Stanford, sure. SC was just SC. Um, and then all of a sudden you get a job and it's like, whoa, it's Mike Riley at Oregon State. And you're talking about, um, you know, Coach Tedford and, and the history that, that Cal has put forth. Like there was, you kind of jump into it and it has been, it's been awesome. It's been eight years. I can't believe I've been here this long. Um, but there's no snow and I don't shovel anymore <laughs> in the winter time. And uh, when I go back home for winter to, to see my family, I get a little anxiety about dealing with the snow, but, um, but it's been an awesome experience. Yeah. I've got the exact opposite experience coming from the West coast to the East coast where I am now. And so the, the, the idea of the East coast bias was, um, you know, almost like this mystical concept that you don't understand, but you know, exists and you don't, you basically, you know, it exists, but you don't understand why. And then for you, it's almost like you, you don't understand why, but you, or you don't even know it exists. Um, and so, so anyways, the realities of, of being out here, you realize it. So how did you combat that when you do get out there and just download all things PAC 12 on a pretty short timeline, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, yeah. I actually, um, I was having issues getting out of my contract at the time and I worked through, I, I remember doing, I switched my sports center shift to work with one of my best friends who was also an anchor, um, Deuces Rogers now at the ABC affiliate in Philadelphia. So it's kind of crazy. Like when you leave ESPN as an on-air guy, like you're done. They don't keep you on air. 
So I just assumed that when I told them that I was leaving to take the job at Pac-12, that they would just kind of let me go. Uh, and it didn't quite work out that way. <laughs> and I spent a couple weeks on air. And I remember doing Sports Center with, with Deuces. We had such a blast on that show. It really still is uh, one of my favorite moments there. It was my last show. But um, it was really cool to just be able to say goodbye with one of your best friends. It was his last show, too. And um, I remember I left our production meeting for Sports Center at the time. And went out to the parking lot and drove my car out onto the street and watched it get put onto a, a truck that was driving it out to the West Coast. And then Sunday morning, I hopped the flight, um, ended up Monday morning at Pac-12. I was in the middle of my HR meeting. I don't know if I should say this, but they pulled me out of it in the middle of it to start working on uh, some rehearsals because we had never done studio shows. Like We rehearsed our launch show so many times to get it right because of all the technical glitches that they were going through um at the time so it was just it was a crazy finish i remember sleeping like on the floor i thought i was smart by delivering an air mattress out to my apartment uh that i was moving into at the time and it just never got delivered for like three days so sleeping on the floor i went to a department store to get some pillows and um had an internet connection from a nice neighbor next door and caught up on breaking bad because i'd never seen the show so i was <laughs> watching a lot of my ipad on netflix but it really was honestly it was such an awesome it's such great memories launch night and some of the people that I got to work with uh, around that time when we launched Pac-12 Network. That's an incredibly San Francisco experience there, sleeping on an air mattress and yeah. stealing Wi-Fi. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah. There, there is a video. So I did a lot of video research, as you can tell. I, a video of you and Yogi Roth right before that launch day, I think, in 2012. And you admit right there, you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous. And again, you've been on yeah. Sports Center. You've been in the public eye for, for a long time. Uh, by that point, what made that launch in this new job different where you're feeling feeling butterflies a little bit? You know, I had got I still remember that video. One, I had a little bit more hair and I certainly <laughs> didn't have any grays on my head. Um, and I just man, I think back Yogi sometimes tweets out this picture every single year around signing day. Uh, I, man, I look like I was 12. I still can't believe they hired me and Yogi to, to be on air at that place. Just the way that we looked. I, I remember being nervous for the day, and then you know, it was really odd. I would say about 10, 15 minutes before the show started, I was so calm and not nervous at all. And one of the guys on set had asked me, like, are you nervous? And my answer was no, and it freaked me out that I wasn't yeah, nervous sure. because I never experienced something like this before you're launching. You know, at that time, you think about it, seven networks, the national the six regionals and then kind of a digital network as well. So I guess eight, if you want to include that. Um, and I'll never forget right before we were going on, we started getting the count. Uh, they were like, Hey, 30 seconds before we go on air. And I could start feeling myself getting a little anxious and nervous. And when they said 10, I swear to God, man, I looked at my chest and my suit. I thought my chest, my suit was vibrating because I felt like my heart was coming out of it. Wow. Uh, it was just, it was so different. Um, but just a crazy night. You know, Rick Neuheisel was our football analyst at the time. And I think people know Rick now, obviously, first worked at CBS and, and Sirius XM Radio, as good as an analyst I've ever worked with. But what was really cool about that night, when we finished the launch show, we went into our green room. And Rick and his wife, Sue, had busted out this bottle of Dom Perignon. And I had never had that before. I mean, that's a big time. I was still drinking Captain and Coke and beer, you know, <laughs> um, at that time. I didn't know about this, you know, fancy wine stuff and champagne and any of this uh, sort of thing. And it was me. Um, Rick was in the room. Summer Sanders was there. Um, wow. Some other people like Glenn Parker was in the room. Ronnie Lott, Ashley Adamson, who was our other host. 
And I'll never forget, Rick told this great story, and he said, hey, everywhere I've been as a coach, wins are really hard to come by, and you have to celebrate them, and tonight was a win for us. And As a tradition, after every one of my wins as a college football coach, we would you know, open up a, a bottle of Dom and, and share it with our, our entire staff and their wives, so everyone would kind of like take a, take a sip from the bottle. And I happened to be standing next to Summer Sanders, and not for nothing, like growing up, I had a little bit of a crush on Summer Sanders at the time. You know, it was a <laughs> sure. side stuff. And it's time time live. Yeah, and that's, that transcends generations. Seriously, you know, and like I, I'm, I would have been embarrassed. I never would have told the story, you know, eight years ago. But like I said, I had a little bit of a crush on her, and I'm standing next to her. So I always tell the story like Summer Sanders and I kiss, and we didn't, but we swapped spit because I. I took my sip from the bottle right after hers, but, uh, but I still think about that, man. It really, it, it's one of the coolest moments that I've had in my career. I, I can't even tell you how fortunate and lucky I feel to be a part of something like that and just kind of how it changed my life. Like I never thought I'd live in California on the West coast, have a role like this. Um, hell, like I said, I was in college, man. I, if you told me I would have been working and getting a paycheck every single two weeks, I would have told you, man, like that's, that's awesome. Um, to work at NBA TV was the goal. And then all of a sudden to get a gig at, at ESPN and then come out the Pac-12 network. Like legitimately, I don't know if you'd find a luckier broadcaster uh, than me. I, I can't even tell you just how fortunate I feel to, to, uh, to be in this as long as I have. So obviously it's a lot of the same skills. You know, the, 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 if you're in front of the camera, you're, you're delivering from, from SportsCenter to, to the Pac-12. But I got to imagine there's a different sort of pride that you have in your work now um, of the of the, the the teams and the players that you're that you're talking about than you used to have in Sports Center. Have you kind of internalized that that conference pride with with your role? Oh, no doubt. I mean, I, I think I picked up on it two weeks into the job when I realized there was this coast bias. Like, sure. like, how come they're not paying attention to what's happening? Like, there's good players out on the West Coast, and you know, you want the league to do well. And I think one of the coolest parts about being at Pac-12 Network is the relationships that you build with a lot of the coaches um, over the years and you get to know them a little bit and understand how they run their programs and then to interact more and more with student athletes like I can't even begin to describe and explain just how impressive some of these kids really are and just how um, how much they take in and what they're asked to do and being under this microscope like we watch these games and I don't think we realize that they're 19 year old kids like I still call them kids um, because I think in some ways they still are like they're not they're not fully mature yet they're not even close to the person that they're going to become but you're right like there is absolutely a little west coast pride that I have here um, you know I do like Biggie and I do like Tupac and, and East Coast is always going to be home and um, you know I miss my family every single day and I do get homesick but um, you know there is something really unique about being out on the West Coast, following these teams and being a part of of the network. A couple of UW focused questions here to, to close it out with, yeah. you, with you, Mike. Uh, Washington wins the Apple Cup, and then uh, days later, Chris Peterson resigns as head coach at Washington. Where does that moment rank for you in terms of, of wow factor in your time at the network? Ooh. Definitely up there, uh, Chris. You know, speaking of getting to know coaches, like. Chris was so awesome to be around. Like I, I can't even, it's hard to really even describe. You talk about a guy that obviously had a huge amount of success at Washington, West coast football. I mean, just even think about his time at Boise state, what he meant to, to that program and getting notoriety to a team like that. It's just really special. But to be, 
you know, man, the access that he gave, being able to watch some of those practices, seeing the teaching that was involved. I just, I, I always felt like UW was going to be in a great position. I, they might have, you know, less, last year wasn't that, that uh, dog fans wanted to see, but I always felt like as long as Peterson was there, that program was always going to be okay and better than okay and doing it the right way. So I, I, yeah, I mean, I was surprised. I thought Chris was going to be there for, for years and years and years. I just think the really cool thing about it is, you know, inherently maybe this succession plan that Jen Cohen can give her credit for, you know, they paid, if I'm not mistaken, and you might know this off the top of your head, I know Jimmy Lake was making over a million dollars a year as an assistant. And I don't bring that up to, to, to kind of say, oh, look at the amount of money that he was making. The point is, like, I don't think there were many $1 million or at least high revenue guys, right, or high salary guys at the coordinator spot in the Pac-12 conference. There was a real commitment to Jimmy, and, you know, Jimmy would have had opportunities. There were other programs that were interested in him and being their head coach, and I think for him to take over and really respect the job that Chris did. I mean, even watching that press conference, talking to him since he's gotten the job, the respect that he's got for their, for what Chris Peterson was able to build and some of the things that he wants to use that CP had, no doubt. It's shocking. Didn't expect to see it, but I think it's telling that that class, they didn't lose one player that had committed to them. Yep. I mean, think about that. How many times is there a coaching change? And, all, and we're talking about 18-year-old fickle kids, right, who – you just never know what, what they're thinking. You know, on a Monday, they think they're going to go somewhere. And then on a Tuesday, 17-year-old kids, right, they're going to sit there and go, oh, the uniforms are really cool at this place. I'm going to end up, you know, switching my commitment. You know, that didn't happen there. And I think it speaks volumes to the type of kid that Peterson, that staff, was going after. Yeah, no no decommitments, no transfers. Um, it was it's, it's pretty wild that that has made the continuity already that, that, has, that has been there. And I think... The, the Jimmy Lake's palpable reverence to Chris Peterson in that in that press conference, I think, says a lot about how how this will be a, a smoother transition, I think, than um, than might have been immediately thought of once once Chris Peterson actually resigned. Flip into hoops. Uh, it's been a wild first 17 games for for the Huskies. Um, start out beating Baylor, who now looks like either the first or second best team in the co- in the country. You go toe to toe with Gonzaga, who's probably the other best team in the country. The UCLA game, you want USC, and then the Quad A Green News. You said you said it today on the podcast. You said uh, that you are legitimately worried about the Huskies, but at the same time, they still have some top tier talent. Uh, how do you see this season panning out? I still think Washington is going to be in the NCAA tournament. I am worried in the sense of are they going to get a top four seed in vegas when the conference tournament comes around i trust hop is going to be able to figure it out and i think those players need time to adjust i think the adjustment phase is what worries me because the league is good this year like i think if you get some slip-ups and there was look i didn't expect them to get swept in the bay area like they did i i think they'll be okay isaiah stewart is as good a player as there is in college basketball Jaden mcdaniels if he is able to settle down. I think he's got glimpses of that over the last couple of days. You know, the UCLA game was in great form, fouled out with 16 minutes to play in that game. You saw offensively against USC. I, I mean, he's he's playing faster, I think, in his head. Um, but he was he was awesome on the defensive side. I think he might have finished that game with six blocks or something along those lines and got it done defensively. And then he figured it out, I think, a little bit more in the Bay Area. I think the point is, from a scheme standpoint, how do you make sure that Isaiah Stewart's getting the ball effectively in a position to score? 
while I think it happens, I just I'm worried about how long it takes to happen. And if they get a couple more losses, getting a top four seed big is going to be really hard for them. But I do think the resume, I think they're going to get some more wins in league play, is going to be good enough for them to be a team that that dances in March. Love to hear it. I'm sure Vegas is always exciting for you, but this year feels feels like it's going to be extra extra much. So with with just the the talent across the board, um, good mix of of really good young players in this league and, and seniors. Um, how does this you know heading into to the the main stretch of, of conference play here? Can you remember being this excited about about uh, Pac-12 basketball in a long time? Yeah, it's been a few years. You know, a couple of years ago, I think we what, had like six teams in. I don't think we, maybe it was the seventh team. God, I should know that off the top of my head. I'm blanking. But I remember Utah had gotten in and, and got bounced in the first round of Gonzaga. That was a tough draw for him. But the point is, it's it's been a while uh, since the league has had wins like this in the non-conference. The top of the league looks really good. I mean, currently we're looking at nine teams in the top 68 of the net rankings. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. And I don't remember a time where I could have said that since I've been um, in the conference. And granted, it was RPI when we first got here. But the point is, the league is really well thought of. And I haven't thought a ton about Vegas until you just dropped it. My Lord, those games are going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. We've had a team in the conference tournament run the table and win four games to get it. All right? See, so you did it a couple of years ago and then Oregon last year. I don't know. Man, if you told me that like that could happen, legitimately that could happen again. Because the middle of the league is so good. It's hard in non-conference when football is going on for me to watch every single game in non-conference play for basketball. I watch as much as I can. But I think this year, I watch more games from teams kind of in the middle of the pack than I have, you know, kind of stretching through the top nine, maybe ten teams more than I ever have before because those teams have been good. And I just didn't know once the conference play emerged how those teams would look. Like Oregon State's a really good example of that. I felt like if they lost to ASU, their chances, losing to ASU at home, I thought their chances of going and winning um, and, and, and winning more games to be NCAA tournament worthy were going to take a big hit. So what do they do? They lose that game, but then they go beat Arizona. You know, if you said to me they were going to go on the road and lose to Utah and beat CU, I would have flip-flopped it. But the point is, there's going to be so many of those types of games where there's opportunities to get signature wins against potentially top 25 opponents. Your Q1 wins, Q2 wins are going to be there in this league, and it's so hard to handicap. I mean, how Stanford right now is still an undefeated squad um, sitting in, in the top seven. They're seventh right now in scoring defense. They got the highest net ranking. They, they were the team. They were finished, uh, picked to finish 10th in the conference. This league is loaded this year. It's going to be a really exciting time, and I think it speaks to – UW's chances to pick up some some important wins down the stretch as they continue to figure things out. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but but I imagine that you and Don are going to have a new you know on fire team to talk about every single week when you get on. I mean, even this weekend, Colorado, Arizona, UW, Oregon, so yeah. much can change just just in in a, a few days here. Oh God, it's going to be crazy. We had a meeting earlier today, and we were just talking about you know the top twenty five in basketball, and I was like, man, it seems like every week it's there's a change. It's like consistently Oregon is going to be there and, and be in the top 10, top 15, whatever it is. And then you've got this rotation of three or four teams in and out that are in kind of that, that 18 to 25 range. So you're right. It's, it's a really cool uh, season and there's some really talented players in this league. And that conference tournament is going to be bonkers. 
Well, Mike, I took way too much of your time, and I appreciate you you giving this much this much insight about your career, but the conference. Uh, really appreciate it. You're a pro's pro. Continue the great work on the conference and the podcast. Uh, and thanks again for coming on. Yeah, I really appreciate it, man. Uh, absolute pleasure. I, I thanks again for the invite, and I really appreciate the trip down memory lane, man. I have not <laughs> thought about that prank call from NBA TV in a while, and I don't often think about some of those moments when we first launched. So a nice little reset for me. But uh, once again, I do appreciate it. Yeah, be humble and YouTube yourself every once in a while. There's there's some hidden gems yeah. down there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to. I I'm just looking young, like I used to look. So, uh, man, I I bet there's some more prank calls that that I probably would get a good chuckle out of. Yeah. All right, Mike. Well, thanks again for coming on. Anytime. Take care.